The Bradford Exchange presents The Classic Radio Theater with your host, Carl Amari. Countdown for blastoff. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Welcome, everyone, to episode 25 of the Classic Radio Theater. Each week, the Bradford Exchange and participating sponsors bring you three hours of the Classic Radio Theater, featuring programming from the golden age of radio. This time, we'll hear two comedy episodes of the Abbott and Costello Show. We'll begin after this short break. Bud Abbott and Lou Costello started in vaudeville, and by the fall of 1942, they had their own weekly radio program which topped the popularity polls of Radio Daily and Radio Guide. At first, radio listeners had trouble telling them apart, so they quickly adapted by Bud lowering his voice a tad and Lou raising his. This was something they continued to do throughout their careers. Their celebrated Who's On First baseball routine helped make them a national sensation. The Abbott and Costello show ran for seven years until the summer of 1949 when the boys ventured into the television business. Produced by Costello's wife Patricia, their television series lasted two seasons and gave Bud and Lou an opportunity to reprise their best comedic sketches and scenarios from their radio scripts. The next time you watch one of their television programs, or one of their big screen movies, remember that the flat sarcasm of Bud Abbott and shrieks from Lou Costello originated on radio, the perfect medium for verbal stand-up that is often imitated today. Time now for the first of two comedy episodes of The Abbott and Costello Show. In this first one, Lou gets a telegram from his hometown Patterson, New Jersey. His old grade school wants him to perform in the school play. Get ready to laugh. Here's the Abbott and Costello Show. Costello program brought to you by Camel, the cigarette that's first in the service according to actual sales records. See if your throat and your taste don't make Camel a first with you, too. Find out for yourself. Listen to the great rhythms of Freddie Rich and his orchestra, the swingy singing of Connie Haynes. And that lad whose message loud and clear each Thursday rings into your ear. All right. 
like. Costello, Costello, come here. You're all I excited. I like me. You're all excited. What? What's the thing you've got there? Huh? It looks like a telegram. Where did you get it? Oh, a fellow in a long green underwear gave it to me. A fellow in a long green underwear? Yeah, he was wearing a Western Union suit. Why, yeah, dummy, that was a... <laughs> that was a messenger boy. And that's a telegram. What does it say? It don't say nothing, Abbott. I can't see a thing. Well, you dope, you haven't even opened the envelope. Oh, do you have to open it? Uh, I, I thought you were supposed to peek through this little window in the front. <laughs> Give me that telegram. I'll read it. Hey, hey, look, Costello. What? It's from your hometown. Patterson, New Jersey? Patterson, New Jersey. Oh, boy! imagine? Look, it says, Dear Louis Costello. Oh, yeah, Abbott. Look yeah. at the way they spell Louis. What do you mean? L-O-U-S-C. I, uh, <laughs> that's, that's my hometown. Quiet, Costello. This telegram is from your old grade school in Patterson. Public school 15. Oh, boy. Good old P.S. 15. My old alma mattress. Uh, no, no, no. No, you mean alma mater. A mattress is something you lie on. I know. I laid around that school for 10 years. <laughs> well, what do they want with me, Abbott? Well, the telegram goes on to say. Uh, let's see now. We are proud of you, Mr. Costello, and the whole school will greatly be honored if you would come to Patterson this Saturday night and appear in our annual school play, signed by the principal, J. Soiloff Wallpaper. How do you like that, Abbott? Boy, oh boy, I knew my old school would send for me someday. Sure they would. I was always the hero of my school. I'll never forget Coach Abel Green. What do you mean? And those kids I played with. Michael Varello. What did they Those do? Those were the kids. Huh? We had a real team in that. I was even the captain of the tug-of-war team. Wait a minute. What did you do on the tug-of-war team? I was the second jerk from the end. I... <laughs> yes, yes, but I can't... I don't uh... get that. I don't either. Look, uh, I can't understand why that school would send for you to appear in a play. What do you know about grammar? About what? Uh, do you understand grammar? No, not since she got a new false teeth. No, no. <laughs> Even Grandpa can't understand her. Now, Costello, Costello, I'm talking about dramatic acting. Did you ever do anything dramatic in school? Oh, did I? I used to get up and I used to excite poetry. You did? Get a load of this little gem, which I wrote myself. Let's hear it. And roses are red and violets are purple. Sugar is sweet and so is maple circle. Uh, well, <laughs> come on, maple circle. It rhymes, don't it? Well, what about it? But maple circle, what is that? What is maple circle? What is maple circle? Maple circle is the stuff you put on flannel cakes. Okay, look. <laughs> no, 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 talk sense. Now, if you're going to Patterson, New Jersey, we've got to get down to the railroad station right away. Come on. Okay, come on. All right, now, Costello, let's get our tickets for Patterson. We've got to find a comfortable place to sleep on the train. Oh, I never have any trouble, Abbott. I got a system. I eat garlic before I get on a train. What has garlic got to do with finding a place to sleep? I just breathe in the conductor's face, and he gives me a wide berth. I... Oh! Oh, be sensible. Well, here's the ticket window. Uh, I beg your pardon, sir. Uh, we're going to Patterson. Uh, could you tell us how the trains run? Oh, yes. There's a big black thing that pulls them, and it goes choo-choo and... woo <laughs> This guy's been drinking too much of that traveler's aid. Hey, look... Look. <laughs> you better let, let me handle this, Costello. I think I better because right. I lost my place. All right, never mind that. <laughs> now, look, in order to say, say, Lou, come here. Go ahead. I, I got it. All right, Go look, ahead. look, I'll take care of everything. Don't worry about a thing. 
In order to save money, I think we'd better get a couple of upper berths. Oh, but I don't want an upper. I want a lower. But, Costello, do you realize that if you buy a lower, you'll find it's much higher than an upper? Oh, sure. I mean, after all, any... What'd you say? Uh, I, <laughs> I said that a lower is higher than an upper. A lower is higher than an upper? Why, certainly. Well, what are they doing? Running the trains upside down? <laughs> of course not. The lower is a more desirable berth. Therefore, if you want to go lower, you'll have to go higher. If I want to go lower, I'll have to go higher. Yes. Why should I go higher when I want to go lower? Not, uh, simply because if you want to go lower, you have to go higher. Because the lower is higher than the upper. And the reason the lower is higher than the upper is because the upper is higher up than the lower. Oh! You mean that the upper is lower than the lower yeah. because the lower is higher than the upper? Now you've got it. Now I've got it. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Costello, I'm trying to tell you that they sell the upper lower than the lower because when you sleep in an upper, you have to get up to go to bed. I have to get up to go to bed? That's right. <laughs> Who's paying for my birth? You are. And there ain't gonna be anybody in it but me? No. Then why do I have to get up? Uh, Costello, look, I've already explained it. Unless you go higher for a lower, then you're stuck with an upper. And you'll have to get up when you go to bed. And you'll have to get down when you want to get up. What? Let me smell your breath. Oh. Hey, friends, would you like to do me a... Well, I was just about to say, do me a favor, but actually, I should say, do yourself a favor. Or maybe do your throat and your taste a flavor. Let them judge for themselves which cigarette best agrees with them. Let them answer the question you have so often asked yourself about which cigarette is best for you. Let your throat try Camel's kind, cool mildness. Let your taste sample that rich, full flavor. Because your T-Zone, that's T for taste and T for throat, can tell you more about Camel's in one puff than I can in ten programs. C-A-M-E-L-S Camel's, a superb blend of costlier tobaccos. Freddie Rich plays a hit tune of today, but for many of you, it is also a hit of other years. Freddie revives Sweet and Lovely.
Well, here you are, Costello, in good old Patterson, New Jersey. Yeah, Abbott. And here's my old school. Do tell. P.S. 15. As I stand here looking at this old building, I think of the happy days I spent here as a boy. How long did you go to school, Costello? You mean counting kindergarten? Yes. One year. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, come on, let's find the principal's office and see what time we start rehearsing for the school play tonight. Hey, what do you mean? What time we start rehearsing? Not we, me. This is my old school, not yours, Abbott. What do you mean? I'm going to do this play all by myself. I don't need your help. Oh, how can you say that, Costello? Haven't I always given you the best of everything? Why, last, last Sunday when we had a, a double date, I gave you the best girl. What a slick little number you had. Slick number is right. I bent her back in my arms and her hair slid off. All right, look, look. <laughs> just, just cut that out, Costello. Wait a minute, I think this is the principal's office right here. No, 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 not that room. What do you no, mean? No, that room is where they have the art class. What do you mean? That's where I learned to draw, Abbott. You did? I was a wonderful drawer. My kid brother, Sebastian, is in there now. He's studying to be a drawer, too. Well, that'll be nice. Just think of it. The Costello brothers, a pair of drawers. <laughs> Look, never mind that. Where is the principal's office? Oh, I don't quite remember, Abbott. But look, look. Here's my old first grade's room. First grade room? Yeah. Eh? Well, why don't you go in and say hello to your old teacher? Oh, I don't think Miss Sashwaite would remember me. I wonder if she's as fat as she used to be. Why, was she very fat? Fat. Every time she turned around, she used to erase the back blackboard. <laughs> I said it! All right, all right. Well, go ahead. Open the door and see if she remembers you after all these years. Okay. Boy, will she be surprised to see me. Miss Ashwaite! Miss Ashwaite! Yes? Don't you remember me? I'm Lou Costello. Oh, and where were you all day yesterday? <laughs> yesterday? I haven't been here for 15 years. If you're absent one more day, you'll have to bring a note from your mother. <laughs> Just a minute, Miss Sashwaite. I'm Lou Costello. Don't you remember how 15 years ago I always used to pester you by raising my hand? Yes. Well? You can go now. <laughs> Gee, Miss Sashwaite. Gee, she's changed. I remember when she used to keep me after school to spank her erasers. All right, look. Come on, Costello. Here's the principal's office right over here. Uh, and you'd better let me talk to him. He's a very brilliant man. Go ahead. Uh, <clears throat> how do you do, sir? Are you Professor Wallpaper, the principal? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you can always tell a Harvard man. <laughs> Professor, I understand you want Costello to appear in your school play tonight. Yeah, just a minute. I, I got the telephone tangled in my yo-yo. <laughs> Uh, now, if you fellas are looking for the rehearsal of the play, it's right in the next room. Oh, all right. Come on, Costello. Oh, I love you, Millicent, my darling. I love you too, Rodney. Kiss me, my sweet. Oh. Hey, you two, cut it out. Shh, wait a minute. Don't stop them, Costello. That's wonderful acting. They're not acting. That's the janitor and the fourth grade teacher. <laughs> oh, this is ridiculous. Can anybody tell us where they're rehearsing the play, please? Yes, right in the next room. Just ask for the English teacher. He's in charge. Yeah, thanks. Oh, I love you, Millicent, my darling. I love you too, Rodney. Kiss me, my sweet. Hey, Abbott. What? They've been doing that for 15 years. Why don't they get together? Well, she won't marry him when he's drunk, and he won't marry her when he's sober. Yes, teacher, I'm a dandy. Said so. 
Don't tell me that you're teaching in this school, too. Mm, yeah, could be, yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm devoting my whole life to teaching the little kiddies how to speak perfectly the king's English. <laughs> yes, yes, I went to one of the most famous colleges in England. Eaton? Yeah, Eaton and Drinken. <laughs> I had a wonderful time. I was in London once. Yeah. I met a beautiful girl on the street one day. Uh, Piccadilly? I certainly did. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly did. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. Look, Kitzel, I understand you're directing the school play tonight. Yes, I am, my friend. You know, my whole family was dramatic coaches. My grandfather was a coach, my father was a coach, my uncle was a coach. Oh, I come from a long line of coaches. And what are you, the caboose? <laughs> well, well, gentlemen, I'll see you tonight at the play. Now I must get back to my pupil. Uh, just a minute, Kitzel, yeah. just a minute. Is my kid brother Sebastian in your English class? Is that little Sebastian your brother? <laughs> Woo-hoo, is he a bright little chappy? You know, he is speaking the best English from the whole school. Just a second, I'll call him. Sebastian! Hello, Sebastian. Hello. I just wanted to tell you how proud I am of you. Professor Kitzel just told me that you're the best English pupil in his whole class. Is that true? Lovely Connie Haynes and a lovely song, together.
radio sure is a wonderful triumph of modern science. But as yet, we haven't found out how to broadcast the flavor of a cigarette over a microphone. Only your own taste can tell you which cigarette you like best. And only your own throat can tell you which cigarette likes you best. So why not give your T-Zone, that's T for throat and T for taste, a chance to judge the cigarette it likes best. Give your taste a chance to try the rich, full flavor of Camel's blend of costlier tobaccos. Give your throat the chance to try Camel's kind, cool mildness. Like millions of smokers, you too may find that your cigarette is... C-A-M-E-L-S Camel's. Let them tell their own story to your own T-Zone today. Club of Patterson, and all you dirty, uh, dear little kiddies. (laughs) We have a great surprise for you tonight. One of our former pupils, Lou Costello, has consented to present a play for us. Most of you remember Lou Costello. In his school days, he was the head boy along this block. And let us listen to this blockhead. (laughs) Costello, Costello, the audience is waiting for you. You've just been introduced. Open this door. Here I am, Uncle Bud. Sebastian, what are you doing in your brother's makeup and his costume? What is the meaning of this? Louie has disappeared. Disappeared? Mm-hmm. But don't worry, Uncle Bud. What do you mean? I'm, I'm going out on the stage and I'm going to take his place. And the audience will never know the difference. I put on this big, big putty nose that I got and, and I put on my nose. This big putty nose. But Sebastian, uh, you've got the putty down over the end of your nose. How are you going to smell? All right, unless they turn on the heat. Uh, look, look, Sebastian, what are you going to do when you get out on that stage? Well, I'm going to tell them a story about Romeo and Juliet. And it was written by William Shakespeare, a very great ether. Ether? Mm-hmm. You mean author. Ether puts people asleep. That's what the story's going to do. Well, uh, all right, as long as Lou isn't here, I, I, I suppose you'll have to do it. Come on, hurry up. The curtain's going up. Come on, there you are. Thank you, thank you. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm about to tell you the story of Romeo and Juliet. Now, I don't want any interruptions from you, Uncle go, Abbott. Go ahead, let's My hear the story. My big brother told me how you interrupt him. Oh, well, go ahead. But don't interrupt me. Tell a story. Don't give me that. Go Just ahead, go ahead, me, go ahead. Go. I lost my place like my big brother. Now, I am, I'm not kidding. Once upon a time, there was a fellow named Romeo. Romeo? What did this Romeo look like? Uh, out of that one. Well, all right. What did he look like? Huh? What did he look like? Well, uh, he, he was about... How do I know what he looked like? I never met the guy. Then why do you tell stories about people you don't even know? Nobody knows Romeo. He's just a guy in a story. He, he's an imaginary character. Oh, you mean he's just a person in fancy. In fancy? In fancy what? In fancy nothing. That's a good way to catch gold. <laughs> now, look. But if you'll just shut up, I'll tell a story. All right, go ahead. I won't say any more. Okay. All right, go ahead. Once upon a time, there was a fellow named Romeo, and he was his father's only son. Well, that's right. He was his father's heir. His what? His father's heir. His father didn't have any hair. He was bald-headed. All right, go ahead. Now, don't interrupt me. All right, go ahead. Now, there's a girl in the story, and her name is Juliet, and her father was giving a big party, you know, to kind of, uh, sort of shove her into society? Oh, yeah, you mean she was ha- ha- making her debut? I don't know if it was a debut or her night view. 
Oh, I know. It was her first party, and a lot of people was invited to see her. And stuff. I, I, and things. Uh, well, you see, the, the folks were coming in uh, to her coming out party. How can you come in to come out? She was inside already. Naturally, she had to come in to come out. What did she want to come out for? She was inside. This wasn't an outdoor affair. All right, all right, all right. This was inside. Uh, I know that. You told me that. All right. Well, if people are going to come in to come out, there's no use of going out to come in. All right. Uh, Why don't they stay home? Look, Sebastian, you don't understand. Why don't you stay home? Look, you don't understand, Sebastian. Stay home now, listen, you. please. You want me to tell your big brother on you? Anybody got lozenges? Listen, please. Look, the party brings her out. The party brings her That's out. That's right. Why should the party bring her out? What did the little girl do? No, 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 no. The party didn't even start, and some guy right away wants to drag her out. No, you don't understand. Why don't they leave the little kid alone? No, 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 Sebastian. Maybe she wasn't drinking. But, cuz, listen, Sebastian. Maybe she had one popsicle. Now, Sebastian. Maybe after all, the kid is okay. Yeah, all right, all right, all right, all right. Lost again. All right, go on with the story. Well, look. Look, wasn't, uh... <laughs> Look, wasn't Romeo invited to this party? Talk longer! Look, wasn't Romeo invited to this party is what I want to know, wasn't he? Oh, sure, oh, that... sure. No, you see, Juliet's father... Thank you, Mr. Bernard. Juliet's father... <laughs> I need him! Now, come on, Sebastian. Ju- Juliet's father didn't like Romeo, yeah. so he had to put on a mask, and he borrowed another guy's clothes, and he went away. Oh, Romeo went in disguise. Yeah. In this guy's clothes! I see, all right, all right, I see. You see, Uncle Bud, Romeo and Juliet's fathers was enemies, and they was fighting for 15 years. They, they didn't like each other. Yeah. Uh, which family uh, brought on the feud? They both brought on the feud, but Romeo wouldn't eat it. He was lovesick. He kept getting thin and pale. Oh, I see. He looked wan. Oh, yeah. He... What did you say? I said, he looked one. Don't you know what one is? Yeah, one is the number before two. No, 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 no. One, two, a part of my show. No, 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 no. One means picket. Romeo was picket. Oh, sure. He was picket through the keyhole at Juliet. Now, Sebastian. <laughs> well, if I was there, I'd have picket out of her uh, myself. Uh, Sebastian, will you please go on with the play? Well, anyway, every night Juliet used to sit on the balcony. Why did she sit in the balcony? Because she couldn't afford a seat in the orchestra. Sure. All right, all right. And she liked to sit in the balcony. All right, now, don't argue. Up there she could smoke. Oh, yeah, 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 I understand. Put her feet on the rail. Yes, yes, go on, go ahead. So far, so good. Go ahead. One night, I hope I can hold out. One right. night, Juliet dropped her handkerchief and Romeo picked it up and handed it to her. And uh, what did uh, Juliet do when Romeo handed her the handkerchief? Has she done like anybody else. What? 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 Just what? Well, you know what I Wait, mean. Wait, do you know the story, don't you? Oh, yes, yeah, she... Well, what did Juliet do when Romeo handed her the handkerchief? You know, like they always... What did she do? She wiped her nose! All right, now, 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 Gee, did you have to make me say well, that? Well, all right, never mind. I mean, it's your line. All right, look, but look, Sebastian, as I remember the story, Romeo had a rival and they fought a duel with lances. Now, what I can't understand is why did the other fella kick Romeo when Romeo dropped his lance? Because he caught Romeo with his lance down. That's enough, Sebastian. Stop the play. Stop it. I say, ladies and gentlemen, the play is over. Bring down the curtain. Hey, hey. Hey. What's the idea of stopping the play, Uncle Bud? Sebastian, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Not only have you disgraced your brother Lou, but you stand there and make a monkey out of a great masterpiece. You ridicule 
Romeo and Juliet, the greatest love story of all time, and you deliberately insult the name of William Shakespeare. Why do you do these wicked things? Oh, I'm a bad boy. Yeah, I'll say you're a bad boy. Oh, I'm the kind of kid my mother won't let me associate with. Uh, you certainly are. <laughs> now, come here. Now, where is your brother Lou? I think he might be in the fourth grade classroom, Uncle Bud. What makes you think that? Because I locked him in there before the show. Sebastian, unlock that door and let your brother out. He's probably in there crying his eyes out because he missed the play. Go on, open that door. Okay, Uncle Bud. Go ahead. I love you, Millicent, my darling. I love you too, Costello. Kiss me, my sweet. Costello. Costello. What are you doing making love with a fourth grade teacher? You know she's the janitor's girl. You're telling me, Abbott. And I'm the new janitor. <laughs> but you missed the whole play. Oh, don't worry, Abbott. Millicent and I are going to put on another play tomorrow night. Another play? Yeah, and I'm calling it The Girl Who Eloped with the New Janitor or Gone with the Window Cleaner. I love you, Costello, my sweet. I love you too, Millicent, my sweet. Oh, he's a bad boy! <laughs> Adam and Costello will be back in a moment. Thanks to the Yanks of the Week, tonight we salute Technical Sergeant George James H. Logan of Luling, Texas, who is one of only two men in this war to receive both the Congressional Medal of Honor and the Distinguished Service Cross. In your honor, Sergeant James M. Logan, the makers of camels are sending to our fighters overseas 400,000 camel cigarettes. <laughs> Each of the three Camel Radio shows honors a Yank of the Week by sending free 400,000 Camel cigarettes overseas, a total of more than a million Camels sent free each week. In this country, the Camel caravans traveling from camp to camp have thanked audiences of more than 4 million Yanks with free shows and free Camels. Camel broadcasts go out to the United States three times a week, are rebroadcast to our men overseas and to South America. Listen tomorrow to Jimmy Durante and Gary Moore. Monday to Bob Hawk in Thanks to the Yanks. And next Thursday to Abbott and Costello. And before we hear from the boys, I'd like to say the Merchant Marine needs more men to man the supply lines to victory. And to eligible men, it offers not only a well-paid and worthy present, but a splendid future. In six months' time now, you can make the progress it would have taken you three years to make before Pearl Harbor. Get all the facts. Go to any United States Employment Service office or wire collect to the United States Merchant Marine, Washington, D.C. And now, here are Bud and Lou Costello with a final word. Thanks, Ken. But it's getting a little late, so all we'll have time to say is just good night, folks. And good night to everybody. Good night to... bye, Bonds. Bye, Bonds. Good, good night, night, folks. Good night everybody in Patterson, New Jersey. Good night, neighbors. Good night, neighbors. Be sure to tune in next week for another great Abbott and Costello show. And remember, try camels on your throat and your taste. See for yourself how camels' mildness, coolness, and flavor click with you. If you are a hermit living in some lonely cave, don't listen to this. Because you're one of the few men in the world who can pack his pipe with any old tobacco he pleases and get away with it. But if you want your pipe to make a hit with people around you as well as yourself, then load up with Prince Albert. That wonderful fragrance, that aged-in-the-wood aroma, 
gives your pipe real pipe appeal to other folks as well as yourself. Besides that fragrance, Prince Albert has a rich, full-bodied, yet mild flavor. It's no bite treated for tongue gentleness. It's crimp cut to pack, draw, and burn perfectly. And what a bargain. Just about 50 pipe bowls in one regular two-ounce package. More pipes smoke Prince Albert than any other tobacco in the world. The Abbott and Costello Show for Camel Cigarettes will be back at this very same time next week. Don't miss it. This is Ken Niles in Hollywood wishing you a pleasant good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. And that's the Abbott and Costello Show starring Bud Abbott and Lou Costello from November 16, 1944 as heard on NBC. All of the classic radio shows we present on this series are direct from the master recordings. I have more than 100,000 original radio episodes under license from the owners and estates, and we make them available via digital download or on CD through our Classic Radio Club. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you'll receive 10 superior-sounding classic radio shows sent directly to you each month along with detailed liner notes and photos of the stars. You'll receive your first 10 Classic Radio episodes for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. I'll have another comedy episode of the Abbott and Costello Show for you after this short break. Welcome back to the Classic Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. This time, Abbott threatens to leave Costello and break up the act because he feels Costello is being incorrigible. Let's have some fun now with the Abbott and Costello Show. That's right, folks. B for comedy, A for Abbott, M for Maxwell, E for Ennis, L for Lou Costello. Yes, they spell camel, the cigarette of costlier, properly aged tobaccos that brings you the camel show, starring Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Abbott, my own bosom friend. Hi, Abbott. Well, aren't you going to say hello? Abbott, don't you remember me? Lou Costello, the Walter Pigeon of Redondo Beach. <laughs> Gee, it's good to be back together again. If you only knew how I missed you, Abbott, how I've starved for the sight of you. Turn around. Let my eyes feast upon you. Gee, the food's bad all over, isn't it? <laughs> oh, Abbott, if you only knew how miserable I was all summer. I was sick. I had athlete's throat. I swallowed my swimming trunks. Oh, with the belt in the back, too. Hey, some nights, Abbott, I was very lonely. The nurse had to put me to bed. Then she'd get lonely. <laughs> Abbott, I really did, though, from the bottom of my heart. All summer, I missed you. Please, please say hello. Mr. Costello. Mr. Costello? He thinks I'm my father. <laughs> Abbott, don't you know me? 
Costello, I don't want any part of you. And me with so much to spare. Costello, <laughs> I hate to say this, but you are a constant source of embarrassment. You're crude. You're vulgar. You pride yourself on being a bad boy. You're completely devoid of manners. You're a bore. You're a disgrace to humanity. In short, you're a hopeless misfit. I agree with everything you said, but I don't think it's short. <laughs> I'm, I'm not concerned with what you think. This is not a sudden decision. I spent my entire summer contemplating. You did? I spent mine in Pomona. <laughs> I met a swell blonde. Uh, forget the blonde. Forget I'd, rather, the... I'd rather forget Pomona. No, Costello, I'm through making apologies for you. Why, the way you behaved at Mrs. Thompson's dinner party. Mm. The idea of putting your elbows in the soup. Well, you told me to keep them off the table. Uh, uh, <laughs> and after dinner, that hide-and-seek game you played. For the past four months, I've been getting letters. Costello, where did you put Mrs. Thompson? <laughs> you think I'm going to tell and lose the game? <clears throat> Besides, I didn't like those society people. That scavenger hunt. They brought me back four times before I could prove I wasn't a Quonset hut. You don't belong with society people. Of all things, talking about having your tonsils removed at the dinner table. I didn't bring up the subject of operations. I didn't. Mrs. Thompson did. She did? Yes, she told me she had her alimony cut off. I... <laughs> Why, you nitwit. Alimony is money. That's the trouble with you, Costello. You're ignorant and uncouth. I'm what? You're uncouth. How do I get couth? You, <laughs> you can't get couth. There's no such word. You mean I'm trying to be something that if there was such a thing, I couldn't be because there was no such thing as? Now you've got it. Now i got it. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> now, Costello, I'll show you what I mean. You're standing on the corner of Sunset and Vine. You're undressed. Undressed? Yes. You have no coat, no pants. No shirt. What happened? Did South America take it away? I... <laughs> oh, I'm just giving you an example. You're standing on the corner of Sunset and Vine, undressed. You're uncouth. So I put on my pants and I'm couth. There, there, there's no such word. Okay, off with the pants again. Hey, look. Let's try another example. Now you're well-dressed. My horse came in? Yes. No, 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 no. You're the picture of elegance. Your clothes are pressed. Mm -hmm. Your shoes are shined. And your hair is combed. In short, you are immaculate. You just said in shorts I'm uncouth. No, no, no. Costello, <laughs> will you please drop the shorts? Not in October. Hey, look. It's cold. Look, 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 look. I just told you, you were well-dressed. Immaculate. Now you take your clothes off. What are you? Immaculate. And uh, listen, there is no such word. Uh, cool. Uh, no, no such, such word. word. No, no, no. <laughs> let's try it. Now, please, don't mock. Now, let's try it once more. Go ahead. Now, you're fully dressed. You're attired. Gotcha. Now, your clothes are off. What are you? No such word. Uh, yes, there is. What is it? Retired? No. Retread? No. Unacute? Immaculate? No, 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 no. No, no? No, no. You're a fine pal. Here, you got me standing out on the street in my shorts. Hand me my bathrobe, but quick! Why? Here come a couple of girls I know. Yeah, there you go. Always of those silly jokes. Oh, I wish my hands of the whole thing. Goodbye. Please, Abbott. Don't wash your hands. I'll behave. No. <laughs> All right. Now over there, over there is Skinny Ennis. 
skinny. Now, I sure like the way the skin is arranged. That's... Uh, <laughs> you're looking at Marilyn Maxwell. I still like the way the skin that... is arranged. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to me, Costello. That's skinny Ennis over there. He's the band leader. What happened to Vaughn Monroe? You know, the band leader that was on the air all summer for camels? Well, the camel people are giving him a show of his own. And we had to settle for Ennis? Now, listen. Don't put it that way. Mr. Ennis happens to be a gentleman of the Old South and a fine musician. Well, what does he play? The claghorn? I, I, uh... <laughs> That's a joke, Abbott! Quiet, quiet. Keep the joke to yourself. With that remark, my friend, you don't meet him. Oh, please, Abbott. I promise I won't embarrass you anymore. You promise me? I promise you. Oh, all right. But remember, one crack out of you and it's all over. Okay. Oh, uh, Mr. Ennis. Yes, Mr. Abbott? I want you to meet a very dear friend of mine, uh, Lou Costello. Costello, this is Skinny Ennis. <laughs> Can't believe it. What? I knew there was a meat shortage, but I didn't think it was this bad. Costello! <laughs> oh, I forgot. Mr. Ennis, what I meant to say was, you don't look like you got much meat. Brother, you look like you got all of it. <laughs> oh, comedian, huh? You think you're funny? Yes, I've become a comedian. When I first started telling jokes, people had faith in me. Then along came hope. Well, you've had faith and hope. Take it easy, brother. Next year it might be charity. That does it. That's all. Camel's own Skinny Annis in the orchestra. The song, Five Minutes More. Give me five minutes more, only five minutes more. Let me stay, let me stay in your arms. Here am I begging for only five minutes more, only five minutes more of your charm. All week long I dreamed about our Saturday day. Don't you know that Sunday morning you can sleep late? Give me five minutes more, only five minutes more. Let me stay, let me stay in your Like this until the milkman's in view. Give me five minutes more, only five minutes more. Let me stay, let me stay in your arms. According to a recent nationwide survey, more doctors smoke camels than any other cigarette. That was a survey conducted by three leading independent research organizations. Doctors in every state of the Union, from Maine to California, were included. 
Doctors in every branch of medicine were asked this question. What cigarette do you smoke, doctor? 113,597 doctors were reached. When the replies came in, the brand named most was Camel. Yes, rich, full-flavored, cool, mild Camels. Made of costlier tobaccos, blended with Camel's traditional know-how. Of course, doctors are no different from anyone else, in that they smoke for pleasure. For the same reason, more people smoke Camels today than ever before in the history of this famous cigarette. For your own smoking pleasure, make your next cigarette a Camel. All right, Costello. I think I've made it plain. We're through. Look, Abbott, I think you're being a little hard on me. Maybe I am all the things you say, but it's not all my fault. It isn't. No. After all, I didn't have much of a home life. Mine was a tragic youth. Well, I didn't know that, Lou. As a matter of fact, I was born in a corset shop, and it was terrible. <laughs> For three days, they didn't know whether I was going to be a boy or a girdle. <laughs> now, look, Costello, if you're going to kid about this... Remember, if you've got a kid about this, I refuse to listen. But I didn't get a real mother's love and care. You see, mother worked. She was a line tamer in a circus. Gee, I can see her now standing there in her red satin types, tights. She was... She was uh, wait, 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 I can see what a void there was in your life. You oh, left alone every night. Oh, no, I wasn't left alone, Abbott. We used to have a sitter come in. Cost us 50 cents an hour. 35 for her and 15 cents for my father. 15 for your... 15 for your father? Mm-hmm. She used to sit on his lap. Her name was Bridget. She was an Irish sitter. <laughs> and there I was, a child. All alone. Fourteen years old and ready for school. Costello, <laughs> you mean you got no education until you were 14? Oh, yes. I used to watch father with the sitter. And then... <laughs> and then, as it must to all men, mother lost her job. The circus closed. And for weeks, we had nothing to eat but lines. <laughs> Day after day, nothing but medium rare line burgers. <laughs> and after dinner, we'd sit around the living room and growl at each other. Go ahead. Then, fortune of fortunes, Mother got another job. She became a racetrack tout. A tout? Isn't that a rather precarious way of earning a living? Oh, yes, but there was nothing I could do to help her. I was at that in between age. Oh, I see I was too heavy to be a jockey And too light to be a horse <laughs> Oh, what a childhood I had uh, Costello, I'm very uh, sympathetic But nevertheless, other men have overcome greater handicaps Take one of our great presidents Abraham Lincoln, for instance A fine man, Abbott uh, Indeed he was Especially when you realize that the man Who grew up to be president of these United States Was born and raised in a crude log cabin Without any of the modern conveniences that we have today. Yeah. At times, I'm amazed that the man could endure such hardships. But put yourself in this place, Costello. If you had a rustic log cabin with rain coming through the roof, without plumbing or light or heat, what would you do? I'd rent it for $500 a month. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yes, sir. Yeah. Small bonus, no pets, no relatives. No, no. Yes, I am. You're impossible. I'm going over and talk to Marilyn Maxwell. Hey, Abbott. Really? She's gorgeous. What does she do? Well, she's a movie star. She won her spurs at MGM. She did? Where did she get the other prizes? <laughs> hey, Abbott, will you take me over? I will not. You expect me to introduce you to Marilyn Maxwell so you can offend her with your crudeness? So you, so you can desecrate the very air she breathes? Look, Abbott, she can breathe her air and I'll breathe mine. There's enough to go around. <laughs> now, come on, introduce me. Absolutely not. Oh, Bud. It's too late, buddy. Here she comes. Mm. Good evening, Bud. Oh, Marilyn. Uh, I'd like you to meet my friend, uh, Lou Costello. Hello, Louis. <laughs> Lewis? Oh, did you hear that, Abbott? She called me by my maiden name. <laughs> Miss Maxwell? Yes? What makes you girls so beautiful? Well, you know what we girls are made of. Sugar and spice and everything nice. Mm-hmm. The ones I meet are garlic and hash and your father's mustache. <laughs> Stella, behave yourself. I'm sorry. <laughs> Miss Maxwell, will you sing a song for me? Anything you say, Louis. I want you to think of me as your friend. In fact, I want to be a big sister to you. <laughs> sing the song. We'll figure out the family relationship later. Come on, Costello. <laughs> From Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of Three Wise Fools, comes that lovely singing star Marilyn Maxwell, accompanied by Camel's own Skinny Ennis and the orchestra. The song, I've Got the Sun in the Morning. Got no diamond, got no pearl, till I think I'm a lucky girl. I got the sun in the morning and the moon at night. Got no mansion, got no yacht Still I'm happy with what I've got I've got the sun in the morning and the moon at night Sunshine gives me a lovely day And moonlight gives me the Milky Way Got no checkbook, got no bank Still, I'd like to express my thanks. I got the sun in the morning and the moon at night. Do 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 did. Sunshine gives me a lovely day. Moonlight gives me the Milky Way. Got no checkbook, got no bank. Still, I'd like to express my thanks. I got the sun in the morning and the moon at night. And with the sun in the morning and the moon in the evening, well, boys, I am all right. $113,597 is a mighty big number. But that's the number of doctors questioned in the recent nationwide survey of doctors' cigarette preferences. Three independent research organizations conducted this survey. They included doctors in every branch of medicine, doctors all over the country, in every state of the union. All these doctors were asked this question. What cigarette do you smoke, doctor? 
and the brand named most was Camel. Yes, rich, full-flavored, cool, mild Camels. If you smoke Camels yourself, you'll understand this preference. If you're not a Camel smoker now, try Camels on your tea zone. That's tea for taste and tea for throat, the true proving ground for any cigarette. See if your taste doesn't appreciate the fine, full flavor of Camel's costlier tobaccos, and see if your throat doesn't welcome Camel's cool mildness. Then you'll understand why... According to a recent nationwide survey, more doctors smoke Camel's than any other cigarette. Yeah, but please, enough is enough. No, please, please, Abbott, please listen. Nothing doing. You've insulted all my friends. Now, go on being a bad boy, but you'll do it alone, not with me, Costello. You're incorrigible. Goodbye. Just a minute, Abbott. There's no such word. Abbott! Abbott! Oh, Mr. Ennis. Yes, Costello? My lifelong pal just said I was incorrigible. What is that? Well, boy, if he called you that, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Hmm, snooty. If he ever loses that baton, he'll be playing second washboard with Spike Jones. <laughs> Miss Maxwell. Oh, big sister. What is it, Lewis? <laughs> Lewis. <Thank you. laughs> My best friend just called me incorrigible. What does that mean? Well, I could explain it to you, Lewis, but you'll get a better definition from this dictionary. It's under I-N. <laughs> Thanks. These dictionaries. If you read one, you've read them all. <laughs> Let me see now. I-N. I-N incinerator. I may be built like it, but I'm no incinerator. Incoherent? That's a lie. I can hear as good as anybody. A guy can fall asleep looking through all these words. In... Incorrigible. In... <laughs> incorrigible. Costello, Lou Costello. Somebody calling me? Where am I? You are in a dream world, a land of miracles where nothing is unattainable. I'll have a Frigidaire, two washing machines, and a 46 Buick. <laughs> Hiya, Costello. Abbott, what are you doing here? Who are these guys? You'll find out. Mr. Costello, we keep a record of everything good and bad you do. Here under my arm is the record of the bad things you've done. Is that what that is? Yes. Hmm. I thought it was the Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> and here I have a record of all the good things you've done. On the back of that postage stamp? <laughs> yes, and it's only half used. You're also a great problem to me, Mr. Costello. I am? Yes, I write down the bad things you do. I use those pens guaranteed never to wear out. I have to get a new one every week. Have you tried riding underwater? Yes, Costello, but I'm slowly getting the bends. Get a load of this, Abbott. This guy's got the bends, and he's trying to straighten me out. Costello, please. These gentlemen are not kidding. This is very serious. Gentlemen, I think you've got me all wrong. I'm not bad. Really, I'm not. You're not? Then why did you tie those cans to that dog's tail? Well, what could I do? He just got married. <laughs> And do you deny that on Saturday you stuffed a cop down a sewer? I deny that. It was Saturday. <clears throat> Mr. Rabbit, would you get me another pen? Yes, sir. Hey, wait a minute. 
How do I know you boys marked down everything in the right column? What do you mean? Well, you got the night I kept Callahan out for five in the morning? Yes, right here on the bat. Oh, no, that was good. His wife was waiting for him with a baseball bat. <laughs> we'll change that. And did you mark down the night on the sunset bus I gave my lady, uh, my lady, my seat? Yes, yes, that was good. No, that was bad. <laughs> I was driving the bus. <laughs> I'll make the change. Gee, I'd like to fill up that postage stamp. You write awfully small, don't you? Well, I'll read it. It says, good deeds was born, period. <laughs> Go on. I have the next 24 years. Abbott, don't stand there like that. You gotta help me. Say something good about me. All right, gentlemen. Uh, I've known the defendant for years. He's really a good boy. He's done some wonderful things. I remember there's a, when there was a sick old man who needed a taxi fare to the hospital. And what did this golden-hearted boy do? Why, he gave that poor old sick man $3. Abbott, I'll never forget you. Which he stole from his poor old grandmother. <laughs> Anybody want to buy a nice, clean poster stamp? I don't think it's fair to make me testify for myself. Why don't you call in some character witnesses? People who don't know me. Anything you wish. Name your witnesses. Well, uh, character witnesses. That's... Let me see. Let me see. Joe Clark? Uh-uh. I told him to bet on the Dodgers. Uh-uh. <laughs> Susie McGurk? No, not after Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. No, no. Oh, I know. Skinny Ennis. He knows me. Calling Skinny Ennis. Calling Skinny Ennis. Here I am, gentlemen. Who sent for me? We did, Skinny. Mr. Ennis, we have called you as a character witness. What do you know about Mr. Costello? Well, Colonel Costello's an old friend of mine. I don't know what I can say except that he's a man among men. Thanks, Skinny. Just don't turn him loose among women. <laughs> Another fountain pen coming up. <laughs> hey, Abbott, please don't let him do this to me. Won't you I warned you, me? Costello. You wouldn't listen to me. I told you to tell the truth or take the consequences. How do you like that? I'm in trouble and he's playing with Ralph Edwards. <laughs> I know who'll be my character witness. Miss Marilyn Maxwell. I'll call her. Calling Miss Maxwell. Calling Miss Maxwell. Here I am. Look at that, boys. If you don't mark that down under good, you need glasses. <laughs> Quiet, Costello. Miss Maxwell, we've called you as a character witness for Mr. Costello. Well, all I can say is, I work with Mr. Costello, and I know my father must like him very much, because he won't let me speak to Mr. Costello unless he's with me. <laughs> Miss Maxwell, what does your father do? Well, at present, he's unemployed. Starting tomorrow, you're helping him. <laughs> Next contestant. Thank you, Miss Maxwell. You may return to the world of reality. <whistles> you too, Mr. Ennis. Ennis caught the local. <laughs> well, fellas, I'm ready to go too. Let her blow. Not yet, Mr. Costello. We feel you need guidance. So I'm going to follow you. Wherever you go, I will always be with you. Whenever you're tempted to do wrong or tell a lie, I shall always be there. How will I know? You will hear my call like this. How was that again? Remember, that means I will be with you day by day, week by week. <laughs> now, Costello, you may go. <laughs> Incorrigible, incorrigible, incorrigible. Abbott, 
Abbott! No, stop it! Stop yelling, Costello! Where am I? You fell asleep in that chair. Oh, Abbott, I had the most awful dream. I met two guys who were keeping a record of my life. Who are they? Well, one kept the good records. And the other? I couldn't see him. He was writing underwater all the time. <laughs> oh, Abbott, I've had my lesson. You're so right. I'm through being bad. From now on, I'm a changed boy. Well, I'm happy to hear that, Costello. I'm proud of you. I'm gonna make you prouder. I'll show you I'm a gentleman. Oh, Miss Maxwell. What is it, Louis? May I have the pleasure of taking you home tonight? Well, can I be sure you're a gentleman? Certainly. And when we get home, we'll sit by the fire and do nothing but read poetry. <laughs> Take to the hills, boys! The dam is broken! Get out, everybody! Abbott and Costello will be back for Camel Cigarettes in just a moment. During the war, the makers of camels offered a weekly salute to the men in the armed forces. Not just words and music, but also a definite actual gift the men valued and wanted. Cigarettes. Free camels by the tens of millions. More than 150 million free camels were sent to fighting men overseas. Now free camels are sent to servicemen's hospitals instead. This week, the camels go to Veterans Hospital, Fort Washington, Maryland. U.S. Army AAF Regional Hospital, Keesler Field, Biloxi, Mississippi. U.S. Naval Hospital, Great Lakes, Illinois, U.S. Marine Hospital, Fort Stanton, New Mexico, and Veterans Hospital, Excelsior Springs, Missouri. Camel broadcasts go out to the United States twice a week, a rebroadcast to practically every area in the world where our men are still stationed, and to our good neighbors in Central and South America. And now, here are Bud Abbott and Lou Costello with a final word. Well, Costello, since you're going to change, I'm going to be your pal again. Gee, thanks, Abbott. Well, what are you doing later? What I do after every show. I'm going to the Macombo and have some pheasant under glass. I'm going to the Brown Derby for some cream turkey. I'm going to the drive-in for some meatballs. I've got a stomachache. Good night, Abbott. Good night, folks. Good night, everyone. Be sure to tune in next week for another great Abbott and Costello show brought to you by Camel Cigarettes. And remember, try camels in your T-zone. See if they don't suit your taste, your throat, to a T. C-A-M-E-L-S. Every pipe smoker enjoys good, rich, full-flavored tobacco. But he likes his tobacco to burn cool and mild, too. That's probably why more pipes smoke Prince Albert than any other tobacco in the world. Prince Albert gives you rich, full, fine flavor because it's made of choice ripe tobacco. And it's mild and easy on your tongue because it's specially treated to make it so. Next time, ask for the National Joy Smoke, Prince Albert Smoking Tobacco. And for real listening joy, be sure to hear Prince Albert's Grand Ole Opry with its new singing star, Red Foley. Remember, Saturday night on NBC, Grand Ole Opry. Your local community chest gives aid to such good causes as homes of the aged, hospitals, the Salvation Army, Traveler's Aid, visiting nurses, and many other friendly neighborly services. You can best help support these many services by giving generously to the community chest in your city. Everybody gives to the community chest. Everybody benefits. This is Jim Doyle in Hollywood reminding you to listen again next Thursday. This is NBC, Thursday, the National Broadcasting Company. For Camel Cigarettes. Thank <laughs> you.
That's The Abbott and Costello Show, starring Bud Abbott and Lou Costello from October 3rd, 1946, as heard on NBC. Stick around, I'll give you our lineup for episode 26 of the Classic Radio Theater after this short break. Next time on episode 26 of the Classic Radio Theater, brought to you by the Bradford Exchange, we'll hear two true crime cases on the Western series, Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae, so don't miss it. To reach me and to learn more about the Classic Radio Club, visit ClassicRadioClub.com. Be sure to tune in to our next show. Thanks for listening. <laughs>